I got a girl with a mind on love The kind of love that is dangerous It knocks me down but I get back up Hey everyone, welcome back to Kevin and the Wu-Tang Clan, and um, sorry if my voice sounds terrible, I think I'm coming down with a cold or something, maybe, hopefully not worse, Um, but yeah, um, pretty sad day on Sunday, Um, found out that Kobe Bryant, um, his daughter Gigi, and seven other passengers passed away in a helicopter crash, so me and my brother give our reactions to that. And we also preview the Super Bowl in the second half of the podcast. So uh, give this podcast a listen. Thanks for always listening. Um, prayers and rest in peace, Kobe, and all the passengers that were involved in that crash um, and involved in that helicopter crash. So not much else to say other than that. So thanks, guys, for listening again. And uh, let's give my brother a call. Hello. Hey, Mike. Um, my voice sounds pretty down today. First of all, I'm I'm working through a cold slash sickness, and currently I'm dressed in my onesie right now to keep warm. Um, <laughs> so there's a there's a funny picture of that on its way probably on the internet coming. But obviously, with the news of Kobe Bryant and uh, eight other passengers passing away in a helicopter crash. Yesterday afternoon, yesterday morning, uh, (laughs) West Coast time um, in California, uh, that's contributing to uh, maybe a little bit of my somber attitude as we progress through this podcast. Mike, um, even though this isn't anything related to our NFL preview, Super Bowl preview coverage, um, just give me your general reactions, thoughts about the legacy that Kobe Bryant left behind um, at the age of 41. Yeah. Yeah, no, uh, it's interesting that you said you're dealing with cold. I'm also uh, dealing with some sickness right now, but. Um, that yeah. Mamba mentality is coming through. Yeah. Got to do the podcast no matter what, but. Yeah. Yeah. No, Kobe, it, it was incredibly sad. I, uh, I was with one of my friends and you sent me that text that, you know, like, Kobe passed away. And mm-hmm. I, like, it felt so surreal. Like, I didn't know if you were joking or not. And I thought it was, like, the weirdest joke. <laughs> but, yeah, no, it was just incredibly sad to see. Like, one thing was, like, you know, his basketball legacy. But in terms of the second legacy that he was beginning to start on with, you know, he was working on, like, some children's books. He was... You know, he, he had the Academy Award. Um, you know, he was working with Body Armor, which is like a food drink, like a, almost like a Gatorade competitor. Like he he was just doing so many different things beyond basketball. Um, so to see all of that kind of cut short, uh, it's it's just so sad. And, and the fact that like his daughter was with him too, like, you know, I think that earlier in the week, there was like a Instagram post that was kind of blowing up with Kobe kind of teaching his daughter something. So, um, you know, just in terms of his legacy, like obviously the basketball legacy was was amazing. Like he's one of the top 10 players 
and he was probably the most honestly like the most generational talent for for you know our age to be honest right pre lebron and kind of bridging that michael jordan gap he was the guy um that kind of defined the nba for us so his you know in terms of like the accolades and basketball talent obviously incredible but he was just kind of larger than even that if that makes sense like his presence and his like fame was just at another level and and you kind of see the reaction to his passing and just how much he meant to sports from the fact that not only NBA players but you know all of sports is kind of mourning from his loss and honestly like even beyond sports like everyone's kind of commenting it, it's kind of just like touched all of all of the world in some sense yeah totally and I think it was kind of interesting, like, seeing all the reaction come out last night or yesterday afternoon. And, like, when I came home, um, even mom and dad were tuning in. And mom was commenting on how it, like, rivaled the level of coverage of, like, Princess Diana. And we were pretty young when that ended up happening. But it was, like, on that magnitude and that level of, like, global impact that he had um, – on and off the court and you kind of mentioned his um on the court accolades as well as his off the court accolades and it was just kind of amazing that transition that he was making from off the court or on the court to off the court and how he's getting to venture capitalism and like investing in a lot of these different companies and um it would have been really interesting to see like how his next chapter unfolded and it was just unfortunate like the circumstances as to like how it ended up happening and how, you know, there were um, other passengers on the plane that, you know, that had, that have their own stories, but, you know, yeah. his daughter having a blossoming basketball career and that was being widely reported. And a lot of the contributions that Kobe was making in women's sports um, because of his four daughters um, yeah. was definitely being seen and, I mean, that's something that will be definitely missed. Um, yeah, it was just – and I, I guess, like, the, the one story – like, I remember being exposed to him <coughs> early on, like, when during his, like, 2001-02 three-peats. And I was, like, right at that age where I could, like, remember – like, I was 9, 10, 11. Uh, when I was – when we were 11, the New Jersey Nets got swept by – um, them in the O2 finals. So I remember that pretty vividly and just being like, wow, this guy, him and Shaq are incredible. And then there was like that tumultuous period, but it was just incredible to watch him. And, and just like this idea of him building that brand around that Mamba mentality. Um, mm -hmm. Incredible. Um, and yeah, I was just re ESPN was showing uh, his 60 point game today. And I was rewatching the fourth quarter of that. And um, it was just pretty incredible how he was able to rise up in, like, the biggest moments. Yeah. Yeah, I totally agree. It, it's just sort of surreal, like, for all of that. It, it just doesn't seem like this could ever happen to a guy like that. Like, he just doesn't seem like he could be defeated by by something like this, like, crazy accident. But, um, you know, these things, unfortunately, unfortunately – crazy things do happen yeah it really and I think that kind of just I think like the larger than life like 
role that he had slash like image that he had in life. I think a lot this came as a shock to a lot of people just because they just never saw it ever happening or coming to this. And it, I think it just kind of shows the fragility of life and um, that, you know, at the end of the day, I think a lot of people were saying it. Jay Williams was kind of saying it during the ESPN broadcast about his reactions and just saying like, you know, like hug those people close to you, tell them that you love them. So that was pretty heartbreaking to hear, but also eye opening. So incredible, like incredible moments being seen as people were recounting their stories and things like that. Um, I'm actually releasing an NBA podcast this Thursday with Andrew. So we'll get more reaction on that. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to get your general reaction <laughs> just because everyone has um, a reaction to it and was kind of affected by it because of his cool icon stature um, yeah. in the world. I really so. can't, I really can't imagine, like, I can't remember another day in sports. I was so, so sad. And maybe that's a, a product of, like social media and in in this day and age where like news spreads like wildfire like I remember hearing the news from you like I don't know how you knew like two minutes after but like you would just see like heads popping up like beginning to talk about helicopters about like you know basketball Kobe and it was just kind of surreal to see like this news spread like absolute wildfire but um true that but yeah incredibly incredibly sad so Mike Let's transition to um, our Super Bowl preview podcast. I know we come, we're coming from a pretty heavy note, but we'll try to do our best um, to talk about the Super Bowl and all the, stu- all the stuff that it has to offer this coming Sunday. Um, it's going to be an exciting one, Mike. Um, <laughs> we gave our reactions to the <laughs> NFC and AFC championship games last week. Um, just initially, when you saw this matchup, forming um at the end of last weekend um what were your thoughts about just like initially going into it with um I think a lot of people were drawing the storylines between Patrick Mahomes versus that San Francisco defense and whether or not the Chiefs can stop the San Francisco run what are your like what are what were your initial reactions to that and how do you see it playing out in this game yeah in terms of initial reaction I you know, I immediately thought that the Chiefs would be favorites for this game, and I kind of liked Patrick Mahomes against his defense. Um, it's I, I don't think there's, like, one instance where they haven't been able to put up, like, 20 points at least, right? So my thinking here for this game is I, I really like the Chiefs initially. I'm kind of walking back a little bit on that um, as I do a little bit more research, but Overall, I still think I, I like the Chiefs for this game. Now, it'll be interesting because I think initially that's what my thoughts were as well because Mahomes was kind of riding on this high and he's just looked incredible um, this postseason. I think he has like 800 yards or like 600 yards, eight touchdowns, no interceptions this playoffs. So he's looked incredible Um during the, uh, during the postseason, but like you, as I'm doing more and more research, looking up different stats, I'm kind of like leaning a little bit more towards San Francisco. Um, and Interesting. It's, 
and maybe you're still on the Kansas City side, but San Francisco, maybe I'm playing a little bit of devil's advocate before I give my give my pick away, but um, I just think their defense is something that has the elements to slow down the the offense of the Chiefs, um, not stop them, but slow them down. And that run game is some unlike anything that we've seen, um, even in comparison to the Tennessee run game with Derrick Henry. Yeah, that's interesting. I so I am kind of starting to um, you know not be as as favorable on the Chiefs just because you know when I look at the San Francisco team, like Jimmy G's been actually having a pretty good year overall um he managed to show up in big games like the saints um the run game has looked pretty incredible although Kevin coleman is out with a shoulder injury like he should be back for the super bowl um and you know that kind of three-headed monster he most or Kevin coleman matt Breida has looked pretty honestly like it, it's been pretty intimidating this whole season um, and that's something that the Chiefs have struggled with. But for me, I just like the potential game script here for the Chiefs. Like, for me, um, you know, Patrick Mahomes has kind of showed that he could do it in the postseason and in big occasions. Maybe not in the Super Bowl yet, but uh, he's shown that he has, like, that, that confidence and swagger. And I'm just not sure Jimmy G quite has that. So, I would be curious to see, like, if the Chiefs are able to kind of jump ahead and get that, like, 14-3 lead um, in the first quarter. I just don't I, – I don't know if San Francisco can kind of claw back. Mm. Yeah, I, I think it's going to be really important, like, how the game plays out because we've kind of seen, even in the two playoff games for Kansas City, even when they're down big – uh, to Houston early on, and then they were down 10 points to Tennessee. They kind of came back in a flash in that second quarter. And, yep. it, like, it didn't seem like they were phased at all. Um, and they still had that confidence kind of they were building off of. I think one of the things that I'm I, – I just don't think this Chiefs team has played – a, this good of a defense, and this defense is, is ranked number one in pass defense um, in the league, and they've only given up under like 200 yards. I think it's on it's some ungodly number of like 170 yards passing per game uh, this season. So there's a couple different things that I definitely like there, and like I was just watching a du- bunch of different videos and just kind of looking at like what San Francisco is going to do with their defense, pass defense-wise. And it looks like they're going to play a lot of cover three zone type of stuff, um, especially with uh, Richard Sherman kind of playing in that customary left-sided cornerback role. Um, and he's been incredible this season. So I wonder, like, how Kansas City schemes around that <laughs> and to take advantage of uh, the speed that they have, especially with, like, Tyreek Hill. And they love those deep – um, crossing routes with Tyreek Hill and uh, Travis Kelsey over the middle. So I I would be really curious to see, like, how San Francisco's, like, middle linebackers like Fred Warner and Quan Alexander deal with those crossing routes coming over the middle uh, with Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey because that's going to be the key of the game. And um, if they do decide to play some man and switch it up, 
like who they decide to double. Is it going to be Tyreek or is it going to be someone like uh, Travis Kelsey? Yeah, I I think for this game, I think that's totally right. Like they, I I think it's right in the fact that like Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey, like you have to get those two going. Um, and I'd be kind of curious to see like who they end up double covering here. Uh, Richard Sherman has played unbelievably well this whole season. It's kind of been a resurgent year for him. But it's not like the other cornerbacks for San Francisco are kind of lights-out stars. They really rely on that front seven. And really, like, you know, they have a bunch of stars here with, you know, Nick Bosa, Eric Armstead, DeForest Buckner, a lot of first-round picks here. Uh, We've talked about it all year to kind of put a lot of pressure on the quarterback. But Patrick Mahomes has actually done quite well uh, against pressure. Uh, I believe he has, like, the highest passer rating when he has at least 2.5 seconds or less. Um, so he, he is able to handle pressure and I kind of trust Andy Reid here to some extent to kind of, oh, oh Lord, oh Lord, is that, At least is, that the the offense? Na- is that the well, nail in the coffin for this game? <laughs> Trusting well, Andy well, Reid. Well, it's not like a, it's not like a clock management thing. Um, right. But yeah, for, for Andy Reid and for, uh, Patrick Mahomes, like, I have kind of liked some of the different ways they've been able to kind of use the entire field, like with the jet sweeps. Um, they've been able to, you know, it's called constantly have guys in motion, like a Tyree kill or even, um, it's called the, uh, not to Marcus Robinson, but McCole Hardman, right. They've kind of been using all those guys, like their speedy guys to kind of stretch the field quite a bit. And that opens up Travis Kelsey in the middle uh, significantly. So I, I do think that in terms of the offense, like I'm not, it's crazy, but I'm not too worried about, you know, the Kansas city chiefs putting up points here. Yeah. Even against the 49ers team. Yeah. I, I mean, I think it's going to like the big matchup and you kind of like mentioned it and I kind of want to delve more into it is that, uh, San Francisco pass rush against, um, Kansas City's offensive line and being able to contain and rush with four, um, kind of similar to like that Giants model and how they contain the Patriots offense back in those two Super Bowls with that dominant uh, defensive line play with just rushing four. And if they're able to get pressure with just four guys with Bosa, Armstead, uh, Buckner, and D Ford, and use utilize those four. Um, in the pass rush and contain Mahomes. And Mahomes looks so good outside the pocket um, in the postseason. He had that spectacular run uh, for a touchdown. But, like, just, like, a lot of the plays, like, I'm curious to see if San Francisco can get to Mahomes and so he can't improvise and get to, like, get outside the pocket or get longer than four or five seconds where um, the back end of that defense is going to have to hold up when – you know, most NFL defenses can't cover uh, longer than four or five seconds because it's just almost an impossible task, um, especially with how good these quarterbacks are. So I I think that's going to be the battle for me. Like whether or not those front four, especially Bosa and Ford, are going to be able to seal the edges and contain Mahomes inside the pocket um, and prevent him from um, escaping the pocket and making those, you know, like – hurtful third and six runs and like where they have everything covered for four or five seconds and then he just escapes pressure and then 
get seven yards to to continue the drive down the field. And I think if they're able to limit those, then I think they're going to be well on their way um, to having a chance in this game. So, yeah. sorry, go it's ahead. A, I mean, it's interesting. Like, Richard Sherman has kind of never done well with those speedy receivers. He's kind of more of like that kind of jam, the guy up front, um, play good positioning and, and use his arms. Uh, he's, he's a pretty tall cornerback at 6'3", I believe. Right, so, uses length. And... So Tyreek Hill, like, I just think that the Tyreek Hill, McCall Hardman, who's honestly, like, one of the fastest guys ever I've ever seen. He's, like, super explosive on some of those kick returns. But um, I, I just don't know how they keep up with that speed. And obviously you need those plays to develop. So it, it'll be interesting if those plays end up developing – but for me, it's like I just come back to that game script question. Like if if the 49ers kind of jump ahead, um, I still see like the Kansas City Chiefs, like this is the most explosive offense that I've ever seen. Like I think that they could come back from anything, like even if they're down like 21-0 at the end of the you know, yep. first half, right? Like we've already seen that happen before. But I can't say the same with the 49ers. They really need – they really need to control the ball, control the clock. Jimmy G has to be playing well. Can't have any dumb interceptions uh, where they, you know, the Chiefs get great field positioning out of the 30, right? Because they are going to convert their touchdowns. Mahomes um, is eight touchdowns, zero interceptions, only taking two sacks. Like, he's looked unbelievable this postseason. Totally agree. Um, I think one stat to kind of throw out there for you for those San Francisco 49ers optimists are there, I believe, the best defense at limiting plays over 20 yards. And that's kind of what Kansas city is really good at in terms of like making those explosive plays over 20 yards. So I'm really curious to see that chess, chess match between Andy Reed and that, and Eric Bianami and then versus Robert Tala um, on the other side. So that's going to be a really interesting, like a chess match as to like how they decide to kind of position certain players where, um, and at the end of the day, I think it's going to come down to that front four for San Francisco. Um, and I'm basically putting my trust in them um, if I'm if I decide to choose them. So, Mike, let's swing to the other side of the ball for both teams. Um, so, Kansas City's rush defense, um, and whether or not that's going to be able to hold up against this potent San Francisco running attack is going to be the big question mark and whether or not Jimmy G is going to be able to um, kind of show that he's a good quarterback. And I think he's kind of displayed that over the past, the course of this season. Um, and mm-hmm. I think, a li- I think people are a little bit maybe underrating him just because of the play script of the past two games against um, the Vikings and the Packers, where I believe he's only thrown a combined 26 or 27 times in both games. So, so he's going into the Super Bowl with 27. So I'm, I'm curious to see like how Shanahan decides to set up the run or if he, or if he kind of tries to catch Kansas city off guard and, um, and decides to come out um an empty or throw it with uh, Garoppolo. Um, that seems far more unlikely, but um, mm. it seems like he's going to stick with Moster and hopefully Coleman's healthy and Brita um, and kind of give them the touches, <laughs> at least 30 carries uh, in my book. I agree. And why, like, 
why would you not do that? Like, you need a probe to see if, like, like what we saw with the Packers was, like, the uh, the 49ers could just keep running on them. And when the Packers didn't adapt, like, why would you kind of move away from that when they're they're kind of not changing up? So um, I think the 49ers would be smart to kind of see, like, hey, like, what what are the Chiefs going to do if we kind of go heavy on the run initially? Like, let's kind of be ourselves and, and see what they can do to stop us. Like, Kansas City, their run defense has not been good, even though they were able to play the Tennessee Titans quite well, which is kind of why I have a little bit more confidence in them. So I think it'll end up being like, look, 49ers kind of try rushing it quite a few times. Um, Kansas City kind of shows that they have an answer to limit that um, from damaging them too much. And then and then we'll see. We'll see if Jimmy G is able to make some plays from there. Yeah, and I'm kind of reminded by, like, the thing that you would tell me when you would <laughs> back in your fencing career and mm-hmm. when you would say, like, if the guy's not changing, like, what he's doing, just do the most simple move to get the points that you already got with that same move. And that's kind of what I'm reminded of with the San Francisco de- or San Francisco rushing attack. Like, during that Green Bay game, there was no reason for them to move away from running the ball because they're getting seven, eight, nine yards a pop. Um, um, and why would you ever move away from that, especially if you're up that much and you're just trying to bleed clock? Um, yeah. Yeah, like, and that's kind of what I was reminded of when you're when you're talking about like and and connect and bringing some fencing into this um, into this discussion. But it was just kind of interesting to see some of the stats. Uh, Kansas City's rush defense um, is ranked 26th in yards given up in the league this year, but in the past two playoff games, they've given less than 90 yards um, mm. in both games. So that is going to – I wonder if that factors into it and whether or not um, they've, over these past couple of weeks, have devised a, a plan to stop the run. Um, I was watching a lot of – breakdowns by Chris Sims and by a couple of different NFL analysts. And they were just kind of talking about how good Kyle Shanahan's scheme is and the differences between maybe someone like Tennessee, um, Tennessee's rush offense versus someone like San Francisco's rush offense. And the, the kind of the big difference was the acceleration difference between someone like Henry and someone like Mostert where Mostert mm. is going to go put his foot down into the ground, one cut, go into the hole, hit the hole, and accelerate. Whereas Henry, he kind of takes some time getting getting to accelerate, and that's what Kansas City was doing such a good job of, of, doing, of penetrating that offensive line before Derrick Henry started going. So I, I'm curious to see how that happens. And they were, they were actually highlighting a lot of what – George Kittle and Kyle Juzasek, isn't he a Harvard guy? Um, Yeah. Yeah, what those two guys did in the blocking game um, and the run game for um, San Francisco and the the receivers on the outside, like Debo Samuel and how well they block um, within the scheme. And, like, Shanahan's so good at devising a lot of those creative run plays with tosses and jet sweeps. And, like, we talked about the jet sweeps for 
um, Kansas City, but San Francisco does a plethora of those with Debo Samuel as well. So I'm curious to see like how that how they mix it up like that. And what Kansas City did a really good job of when watching some of the game film um, for Tennessee was they were so good at stopping the run um, up the middle and really stacking the middle of the field. Whereas San Francisco's running attack is a little bit more versatile in terms of them getting a lot more width on the field and being able to get and make stretch plays on the outside um, with someone like Raheem Mostert because of his speed. Um, So I'm curious to see like on the outsides, whether or not Kansas city is going to be able to stop the San Francisco uh, run game. Yeah. And to kind of bring back that analogy of the whole fencing thing, like, if you're getting like five, seven yards, like why stop that until you get like two, one or two yards, right? Like same thing, like Bill Belichick always says, attack your opponent's weakness. Same thing in a lot of these sports. Like you're you're basically going to keep pump faking if you're uh, um, the defender keeps just, you know, kind of going for your pump fake. Right? And you only have to do the counter after they have kind of shown and proven that they kind of have a game plan for that. So that's that's kind of why with like all these sports, it's so like the in-game strategy, it's so adaptive and in in fast-paced, right? Totally agree. So Mike, I think we've come to the time where we are ready to give our predictions, and that these are our last predictions of the NFL season of 2019-2020 NFL season. So Mike, little drum roll here. Who is your pick in this Super Bowl? Yeah, I'm going to go with the four, uh what's called the Chiefs, right? I'm going to go with the Chiefs here. I like the line as well of one point. Um I thought that line would go a little bit higher. It seems like it's actually gone down a bit, but I like the Chiefs here. I believe at the start of our kind of playoff preview, I I I had the Chiefs coming out on top here. Um I might have had the Saints, which uh, in in hindsight might not look great, but definitely <laughs> have the Chiefs coming out of the AFC. I like the Chiefs a lot here. Uh, I just think that there are many ways this game script could go, and there are many ways the Chiefs can win here. Whereas for the 49ers, I I just don't see Jimmy G being able to, you know, lead them if they're behind here. So I'm I'm, I'm going to go with the Chiefs. Totally, Mahomes. Totally so, trust in Mahomes, man. He, all right. He's. This is the most explosive offense I've ever seen, and Mahomes is. I don't know. Like peak Aaron Rodgers was in terms of talent, pretty unbelievable. But that arm with Mahomes, like, it's. He's up there. He's up there. No, it's and, totally uh, incredible. It seems like it, yeah. the dynasty is coming. It's totally incredible. Like with Mahomes, like he can make plays that even if San Francisco's defenders are in the right position, he could rifle a pass like in a in a whole like in a tiny window and you could just be like, that's great defense, but Mahomes is just a special player. So that's like the one thing I am totally worried about um when dealing with or like trying to predict this game. And I've gone back and forth and I think it's gonna actually be a really close game, a really exciting game in comparison to last year's snooze fest of a game um defensive battle but 
I'm actually going with San Francisco. Um, I haven't given them I haven't given them any credit all year, and hopefully it, they'll take me on as one of their uh, latest bandwagon fans um, this late in the season um, and come up big for me. But um, yeah, the over under is fifty four and a half, and Kansas City is a one point favorite. So. I'm curious to see how that goes. Like if I'm basically taking San Francisco, I'm probably hitting the under, um, the under of 54 and a half um, there. So it's going to be really kind of, I'm I'm curious to see like how this all plays out um, and how the game script plays out, obviously, because like you kind of mentioned it, like even if they're down 27 to three to harken back to, to the Patriots Atlanta Super Bowl. Um, in late in the third quarter, you just never know with Mahomes and how that offense can just click right away. Um, but I think that defense of San Francisco is going to give, is going to be able to slow them down just enough um, for them to be able to kind of. Um, how kind many of, throws do you think Jimmy G has? I think he actually has like 15, like fifteen to twenty. I wouldn't be surprised if he had over twenty. Interesting. Yeah. I I just think I'm curious to see like how Shanahan mixes it up, but I think he kind of th- he kind of throws them a curveball a little bit. Um and we'll we'll kind of see how that plays out. But give a, give us a score prediction, Mike. I like twenty seven to twenty twenty three for the Chiefs. Okay. I actually have twenty eight to twenty four. San Francisco. Um, yeah, so I think that's how it's going to go. Um, it'll be really interesting to watch um, to see kind of like what ends up happening. Um, Michael, Super Bowl MVP odds. So I'm, I'm, I'm assuming if you're taking Kansas City, like you pretty much have your money on Mahomes winning the Super Bowl MVP. I don't know who else could win um, the MVP if it's not Mahomes and Kansas City wins. But the uh, the odds right now are Mahomes at plus 105, Jimmy G at plus 275, Moster at plus 600, which could be kind of interesting, but I wonder if someone like Coleman or Breida kind of eats into his workload and then George Kittle at plus 1,000, and then it kind of goes up from there. But if you're looking at those odds, what are you, what's appealing to you for some of the betters out there? Right, so... Hmm. I can't – I mean, plus 1,000 for Kittle kind of sounds interesting. And then I look at the stats, and he's at four receptions. Um, yeah, he hasn't, so done, he hasn't done much in the – has uh, not done anything. In the postseason. He has not done anything in the postseason. Um, hmm. I think the Raheem Moster one is probably the most interesting from an odds perspective, to be very honest. That's one right. I would potentially put money on. But I, I still like the Mahomes – bet there like if I think the Chiefs are going to win and if the Chiefs win it's it's got to be Mahomes it's got to be Mahomes yeah unless someone like Kelsey goes off but even then like you know who's supplying his his touchdowns or it's going to be Mahomes so it'll it'll be really interesting I'm curious to see how they use utilize different players um and I kind of highlighted uh Kyle Juszczyk I can't even pronounce his name um on San Francisco I think he's going to be extremely important in the run game he might not have a carry or a catch but just watch out for him um kind of flexing out and kind of um 
doing a lot of the dirty work for that San Francisco offense. So, Mike, I'll throw a little fun topic out there for you. So, Super Bowl parties, right, you know, they're, like, basically a national holiday. Everyone gets together, has a party. What is your favorite Super Bowl dish slash entree slash, I don't know, appetizer uh, that you need to have at a Super Bowl party? Mm. Yeah, it's not there often, but when it is, it's it's pretty fantastic. Uh, you know me. I love my French fries. Always had when I'm growing up. Uh, kind of cutting back on them now as I'm getting okay. older, but I love potato skins when they have the right amount of cheese taken. That's potato skins are, are kind of my play for Super Bowl and for um for when I'm watching football. So yeah, I'm like potato skins. Wow, that's underrated. I did not see that coming. I, I when you said French fries, I thought you were gonna just go French fries and I don't really recall having French fries at like a Super Bowl party. But potato skins, on the other hand, um, especially if they're homemade potato skins, I don't know if you've ever had a homemade potato potato skins, but they're delicious and not out of the frozen fr- TGIF Friday's box um, of potato skins. But I'm actually going classic buffalo chicken wing. How can you not? Um, I mean, it's just cl- it's it's a classic, and someone's kind of turned me on to this, but chicken. I, I believe it's a buffalo chicken dip um, with some hot tortilla chips. Beautiful. Um, tasty, right amount of saltiness. Uh, definitely don't want to go work out the next day, but you kind of have to with all the, all the cheese and, like, saltiness that's, that's there in that dish. So that's my go-to buffalo chicken dip right there, Mike. Um, anything that – Anything else that you're looking forward to? Um, I wonder if people are looking forward to J-Lo, Shakira. How are you feeling about that? Uh, yeah, not too many thoughts, to be honest. <laughs> um, it's, it's, it's not my favorite one. We'll see, like, Jenny on the block. And um, I don't know. I, it's, it's, it's not something I'm too excited about. I, I was pretty pumped up for Travis Scott last year, but – uh, that was not the best, to be very mm-hmm. fair. So, um, so yeah, I'm not not a huge thing. I'm more looking forward to the commercials than, than the halftime show. Yeah, it'll be interesting, and we will come back next week and recap all the commercials. Obviously, we'll recap the game. Um, I'm in New Jersey, so I can sports gamble. So maybe I'll put some capital on a couple of different prop bets, um, fan duel, things like that. So I will report back to you on how I do next week um, with Mm -hmm. some of those. And, Mike, um, before I let you go, um, looks like we're on the opposite side of the fence fence in terms of who we are deciding to pick. Um, Are we doing like a little little punishment or something like that? Something on Instagram, something like that, kind of whoever loses. Yeah, yeah, we totally should. Um, we'll have to think of some good kind of punishment here, but maybe it's next time we're out in New Jersey or California, Kevin will inevitably owe me a, a meal, and I will feel bad that he has to pay for it. 
<laughs> as the student. Exactly. Um, maybe we'll think of something a little bit more creative, like post something on our Instagrams, something like that. Um, so be on the lookout for that as well. Um, we'll kind of think of something before the game starts. And Mike, before I let you go, there's a couple different NFL news going out um, around um, during the Super Bowl week. So Mike, um, Andrew Berry gets hired um, as the GM of the Cleveland Browns. Former Harvard guy, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, it's always nice to see uh, another another fellow Harvard guy. Uh, young well too. Here. Young. He's a real yeah. Too. Thirty-two yeah, years 30. old. He's the youngest general manager in the league. Um, it's it's kind of an interesting move from the Browns, but. I mean, he he had a lot of success with the Philadelphia Eagles. Where it's kind of I, I haven't heard too much about him, to be very honest. Um, but honestly, it's it's a lot of change for the Browns. A lot of change for the Browns. I think that it seems like he's getting a pretty favorable reaction. But at the same time, it, it's just a lot of change. I'm not sure I love the uh, Stefanski choose choice overall. Mm-hmm. So I'm uh, I'm kind of curious to see how this offense looks next year. But uh, always something new with the Browns and a lot of expectation going to be going forward for them next year. Exactly. It'll be interesting to see how Barry fills in. He's kind of like Harvard math type of guy. Um, I think he graduated with a math degree in undergrad and then like in um, he has a master's in computer science. So he's going to kind of bring some of the, some of the money ball um, aspects to, um, to the Browns front office. I think that is going to be really interesting to see how they combine some of those two philosophies. Um, And then I guess the other thing that I did want to bring up is all the quarterback movement. It looks like, uh, the Chargers are not going to be bringing back Phillip Rivers. Um, he's looking probably for a new team. And uh, Drew Brees is kind of going to be announcing whether or not he's going to continue to play um, until next year in about a month or so. So um, we'll see what ends up happening there, um, whether or not he decides to hang it up for good. Um, I really can't see him hanging it up, especially after that playoff performance. And I still think, um, he has enough left, and that Saints offense is potent enough where they can make a run at a Super Bowl title um, next year as well. So I don't foresee that happening. Yeah, I, I'm just not sure if if I were Drew Brees, like it, it was a tough loss, especially to the Vikings. Um, but I, I'm not sure if I would quite hang it up yet. He still had a pretty decent year. Um, we haven't really seen that huge decline yet i i think that he still has a year left here totally agree so mike thanks again for coming on uh everyone thanks again for listening to our preview podcast for the super bowl um root for the san francisco 49ers so i don't have to do something embarrassing slash my wallet doesn't get smaller and smaller as it already ready is and i have to owe michael uh dinner or lunch so mike thanks again for coming back on um And everyone, thanks again for listening. As always, um, I'll be releasing this on Tuesday, I believe, of of today, of this week. 
And then Thursday, I will have a Kobe Bryant slash NBA All-Star podcast with yours truly and Andrew Mondi. So be on the lookout for that, guys. Uh, Thanks again for um, uh, listening and rest in peace, Kobe Bryant. I got a girl with a mind on love The kind of love that is dangerous It knocks me down but I get back up And I'm addicted, I can't get enough